This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Christ gives us two kinds of judgment because you always tend to have people to say, hey, wait a minute, don't judge me. You hear that a lot from people, don't judge me. Now, we need to be careful in how we encourage others. You know, we, we like to be police officers, you know, and just be on patrol, see who's messing up and sinning against God. So we know the Bible. And so we want, we find that. But we need to be careful to share in love with others. So we don't speak negative about them. but. We don't judge them either. It's not our place. It can be hard to see people living and doing things that you don't agree with. Your first reaction may be to judge their life or actions based on your thoughts and feelings. Today, Pastor Eddie cautions you to be careful about how you interact with others. You should share the gospel with others in love, but you should never judge the actions or choices of others. It's not your place. Your job is to encourage others to get to know God. Well. Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 4 as he continues his message, Drawing Close to God. gave this beatitude for us to have in Matthew chapter 5 verse 4. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comfort. And it's not mourning because of a death, it's, it's mourning because of sin. You'll be comforted. Why? Because when we look at sin, yeah, we mourn, but guess what? We know that. What's the answer for sin? Christ. That's the comfort right there. That's the comfort. But those who do not repent, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 verse 25, woe to you who laugh now. For you shall mourn and weep. Now that's real mourning. And you weep if you laugh. And so a genuine, a genuine sorrow uh, of a believer in Christ for sin uh, leads to repentance and, and, and leads others to repentance, right? And we, we realize, hey, this is something serious, not only for my life, but for those who are unsaved, our loved ones. And repentance leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to true joy, and reconciliation with God. Let's look at the sixth and final obligation. And it, cont- and, and it, it contains both a, a command and a promise. It gives us a command and a promise. Let's look at verse 10. He said, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And that's the command. Here's the promise. And he will lift you up. The command is to humble yourself. And the promise, because it's the word of God, and he will lift you up. I got another unknown writer. <laughs> I wish I know them. (laughs) But anyway, he said, for a tree to grow upward, it must strike its root deep downwards. So to a man, to be exalted, he must be deeply rooted in humility. We need to be humble. Humble means to be or to become low, to reduce to rank, character and status. And it's not not a self-put-down has nothing to put down because it's not putting you as a whole person, but it's that pride that, that sometimes comes out of us, that needs to be adjusted. And only we can adjust that through the Holy Spirit. 
And it's a real genuine understanding that we are unworthy, we are lost in sin, we're lost without God. And that's what, that's, what, that's what it means to be humble. And Jesus gave this also in the Beatitude and he, when he talks about being poor in spirit, and which actually is the first one. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, not poor in finances. <laughs> Prosperity would love to chase that one. Uh, but blessed are those who are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, knowing that without the Lord, you can do nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to abide in him, right? And so to understand, if you think you're high and mighty spiritually, oh, you're not, you're not poor in spirit. And that's why when we look at the last chapter of Isaiah, uh, and even if you read Psalm 51, David's confession, when after David committed murder and, and, and adultery, that was his, his apology. That's where he repented. He said, Lord, created me a pure heart. And in Isaiah chapter, chapter 66, the very end, the Lord said, what can man give me? I've created everything. What can we give God? What can you give God that created you and everything around you? And God said, on oh, this, this I shall look at him, a broken and contrite spirit. That's a gift to God. That's a gift because you're giving yourself broken. Poor in spirit, Lord, restores us. That's humility. That's to humble ourselves. And we need to be like this every day. It's not, okay, all right, I humble myself. Now I'm exalted. This is where I stay. No, daily, daily, daily. And so when we truly, honestly humble ourselves, humble ourselves down to the dust of the ground, to the feet of Christ, then the promise, here's the promise, he will lift you up. And so the reality for a believer in Christ, the way up is down. The way up is down. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12, he said, and whoever exalts himself will, not they might, they will be humble. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so the lowly one becomes lifted. First Peter chapter five, verse six, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he may exalt you in due time. Proverbs 21, 29, verse 23, a man's pride would bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So saints, make no mistake about it. When we humble ourselves before God, you know, he will lift us up. But if you don't, God resists the proud. So that we saw a call to humility. We saw in verse seven through 10, uh, James gave us a, a list of obligations in order to fulfill that, put that into practice. Now he's gonna deal with the issue of judging one another in, in the body of Christ. And that's in verse 11 and 12. Do not judge a brother. Let's look at verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. We can go back to the lesson about the tongue, right? <laughs> the issue with the tongue, right? We can't control it. You know, man can control any wild beast in the planet, okay? But we can't control the tongue. We can't control the tongue. And so we need to be careful. Slandering one another, slandering others. You know what this, the word slander is diabolos, which we get the word diablo in Latin, in Spanish, right? It's, it's, it's wrong. Gossip is wrong. Uh, someone has suggested uh, three questions that we should ask before we in, in, indulge into criticizing or talking about someone. Three questions we need to ask when we talk about someone or anyone. Number one, 
What good does it do for your brother? What good would it do for your brother? That's number one. Number two, what good would it do for you? What good would it do to you? And ultimately, ultimately, because he knows all things and sees all things, right? How does it glorify God? Do not talk evil about anyone. Anyone. That should, you shouldn't be that person that spewed things out about someone else. And, you know, we always try to get creative, right? And the way we talk, we're smooth talkers, and we kind of give a little hint. We give little hints. Oh, I know something about that person, but I don't want to say. Oh, I know what goes on there, but I don't want to say. Oh, I've been the behind the scenes. I don't want to say. And meanwhile, there's really nothing. There's really nothing. But here's the thing. It's not only those that are talking, but also those who are listening. You're enabling them. You're part of it. Your ears should not be a part of any gossip, any bad talking of anyone. I want my ears to be holy. If you're going to say something, keep it to yourself. You have an issue, but the Bible says, take, go to your brother. And if he doesn't, go to the leaders, right? That's the way we do it. You have an issue, you deal with that person. Don't talk about anyone else. So he said, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. In other words, in other words when we speak evil and judge another, a brother, sister in Christ, what we're really doing is we're speaking evil of the law. The law. That's what we're doing. What is, what is the law? What is he talking about? The law here. James is talking about the law of love. The law of love. We know. Yeah, they're like, how many commandments in the Bible? Like 613, right? But of all the laws, right? Which one is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, meaning of all 613. And the second is just like it. It's not, it's not law number two. <laughs> it's the same. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all the commandments of God is love. Hang the law and the prophets. So they were trying to trick Jesus. Jesus, he never went to rabbinical school that I know of, right? Menachem? Well, let's ask him this question. Jesus, out of all the 613 commandments, which one's the greatest? Love God. Vertically, horizontally, your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to worry about the first four. You know, because we try to pick all these little laws and it's hard to follow each one. Simple. You love God. You won't break any laws in relation to sinning against God. If you love your neighbor, it's impossible for you to break any laws in relation to your neighbor. And so it's love. This is what James tells us in James chapter 2, verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, and he's quoting Christ here, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. James already mentions this. The apostle Paul uh, wrote to the church of Galatia, quoting Christ in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So do not speak evil of a brother or sister in Christ. For if and when you do speak evil about your neighbor in any way, you're being disobedient to God and you're judging the law of love. As a matter of fact, we're called to esteem one another better than ourselves, right? 
That's what we ought to do. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let us esteem others better than ourselves. And so, let's look at verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Christ and Christ alone is the lawgiver. Christ and Christ alone can forgive and save. He can execute. He can destroy. So let us leave the judging to Christ. And so if you, if you judge a brother, you're putting yourself above the law. And this is, this is dangerous because we tend to think that we're above the law. We don't. We, know we got it down pat. We have this area in our lives that we are strong in, Right? Not realizing that we're weak in other areas, but we are strong in this area. If somebody commits a sin in this area, what will we do? Well, I'm a professional in that area. I'm good. That's easy for me. So, you know, you're sinning because I don't do this. Again, like they always say, sin, you know, doesn't look bad when you do it, but it looks bad when other people do it, right? But dude, we all have weaknesses. And we we start to judge, and what we do is we put ourselves in the place of God. And, and that's a dangerous thing. Now, so verse 12 is what we, where we're at, right? Uh, let's look. Well, let's, let's deal with the area of judging. We're going to get into it in the next verse. But Christ gives us two kinds of judgment because you always tend to have people to say, hey, wait a minute. Don't judge me. You hear that a lot from people. Don't judge me. Now, we need to be careful in how we encourage others. You know, we, we like to be police officers, you know, and just be on patrol, see who's messing up and sinning against God. So we know the Bible. And so we want we find that. But we need to be careful to share in love with others. So we don't speak negative about them, but we don't judge them either. It's not our place. So now we're judging the law, but we tend to judge others. But Jesus gives us two types of judgment. The first judgment he forbids. And that is a judgment unto condemnation. It is a judgment to say that you sin. And that sin's going to take you to hell. Well, God's going to judge you for that at the very least. He's going to judge you for that. You know? And Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 3, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it would be measured back to you. What do you think? And why do you look, I'm sorry, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? And that is a judgment unto condemnation, but Jesus also tells us of a righteous judgment. Make righteous judgment, right? In, in John chapter 7, verse 24, it says, do not judge according to appearance, what we see outwardly, Right? But judge with righteous judgment. Judge with righteous judgment, knowing someone by their fruit. Knowing whether someone's a false prophet, false teacher, you know them by their fruit. Okay? Wolf comes in sheep clothing sometimes, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 says, you will know them by their fruit. And so it is wrong to judge the law. It is wrong to judge people. And we should leave the judging to God. And so... um, do not judge a brother, and that's important. Do not judge a brother. I love, and I, I've kind of quoted this many times. I always say I have it hanging on my wall in the office uh, because many years early in my, in my walk, uh, I, I tend to do that. 
you know, is that point where you, you're still a rookie and in the ministry and, okay, you, you've been a Christian for some time and, and now you start judging everyone else. And when I, when I heard this quote from Billy Graham, it really hit me and it convicted me. And he always says, it is the Holy Spirit job to convict. It is God's job to judge. It is my job to love. And that's for every single one of us. It is our job to love. We're called to love, not judge, not speak evil of anyone. We can't be the Holy Spirit, bring conviction. <laughs> and sometimes we share the gospel, you know. There was a story, I think, um, A.R. Uh, 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 A.W. Tozer, who wrote a book about the Holy Spirit, and he was sharing how about a woman who was trying to lead someone to Christ, and she spent like two hours with this man. I'm kind of paraphrasing the story, but he didn't receive Christ. And then she went to him and said, I've been two hours with this man trying to share the gospel, and he didn't bite. And so he went and he shared the gospel for like 10, 15 minutes, and he wept and gave his life to the Lord. And she said to him later, what went wrong? And he told her, you were trying to be the Holy Spirit. You can't be the Holy Spirit. You just plant the seeds. You're not the one who gives the sun and rain to make a plant grow. You just plant the seed. You're a seed planter. You can't be the Holy Spirit. Don't be the Holy Spirit. Let God do what he, do what he does best. And so we're not to judge a brother. Now let's look at verses 13 to 17. Do not boast about tomorrow. Let's read verses 13 and 14. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Verse 14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. But what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And there are those who make big plans, big plans with tremendous confidence and not realizing that, you know, you're just a vapor. You're just poof of steam, puff of steam. Poof. That's all it is. It appears for a little while and it just goes away. A lot can happen in a year from now. A lot can happen in a week. <laughs> a lot can happen. We don't know what's going to bring tomorrow. We don't know. We, we, we have a plan. Okay, tomorrow I'm probably going to get up and go to work. <laughs> same old, same old, right? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what the next year is going to bring, what life's going to bring. Did you know that nearly 55.3 million people die each year? That's an average. 55 million people die each year. That's roughly about two for every minute. Two for every minute. Within an hour, 120 people have just passed away. Five minutes ago, right, 20 people. Did I get the math right? Yeah. It's a little test. Hey, it's a test. Are you awake? Just kidding. <laughs> Apart from God, you know, life is pretty much what? A mystery. We, we don't know. Apart from God, we don't know. We know the promises God has for us. We know that what he has for us now, we continue. We hope we're waiting for to be called up to be with him forever and ever. But apart from that, it's just a sad mystery. But when you're in Christ, everything makes sense. But we don't know. We make these plans. You know, we need to depend on him. We depend and trust in him. Everything is secure. Tomorrow is secure. And so apparently James is writing this because there were some businessmen in the church that they were focusing on their success and depending on their future plans. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with planning and managing your future. Um, but do not presume that everything is going to happen well. The problem is not the, the planning. 
uh, and it's not the planning, but is leaving God out of the plan ultimately in your life. We should be planning for our lives, a family, you know, spiritually. And we tend to look at the worldly success. And we may not know what brings tomorrow, but we know who brings tomorrow. What tomorrow might bring, that is, I've said that wrong. We don't know what tomorrow might bring, but we know who brings tomorrow, and that's God. And he goes on to say in verse 15 and 16, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. That's what we say that quite often, don't we? Lord willing, right? If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that, verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance, and such boasting is evil. Boasting about exaggerated plans, and such boasting is evil. And Jesus gave a parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, and I'll read it. In verses 16 to 21, it says, Then he, speaking of Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain man, a certain rich man, yield plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Perfect parable and we see that today quite often i think it was forbes who coined the phrase he who dies with the most toys wins the reality is you die <laughs> another thing that billy graham would say i said i never saw you haul hitched to a hertz <laughs> you can't take it with you and meanwhile you have all these wealth and riches you've done very well you probably got a nice tombstone to to actually boast about your success but what have you done for the lord Proverbs 27, verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day might bring forth. Verse 17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. And it may seem that this may be out of, of you know, like if James just started writing something else just to insert this in here, but he's actually referring to those who know what they ought to do as what he just referenced here. To be humble, do not speak evil of your brother. Judge the law. Do not boast about tomorrow. You know what to do. You go against that, it is a sin. Amen. The Word of God is a breath of fresh air, a crutch to lean on when you're too weak to stand, and much, much more. Here on Running the Race, You'll hear teaching after teaching by Pastor Eddie that inspires and challenges your walk with Jesus. If you haven't heard that much about Jesus, make sure to contact us at Calvary Chapel of Milford via runningtheraceradio.com and we'll explain the message of salvation to you. Come be a part of the family of God and experience all that He has for you. I promise it will be beyond your wildest dreams. That website you want to go to now is runningtheraceradio.com. Just in case you missed it, that was runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. 
We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Running the Race is a radio ministry coming to you straight from Calvary Chapel of Milford, where we desire to be changed to look like Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit. To learn more about us, go to our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. We're grateful you spend part of your day with us and pray you've been blessed by this broadcast of Running the Race.